Merry Christmas. Man, what a great day we get to celebrate here. I'm glad that you got up this morning. Um, I know that rain and cloudy temperatures, like they make us want to sleep in a little bit. You know what I mean? Like that can happen, especially if you're a mom. Dads, we just kind of, we just kind of lean back on them, I think, sometimes. But I'm glad that you're here this morning. I want to remind you that tonight we'll also be here at 5 o'clock. Just so, so you will know, our, our service tonight is about 30 minutes. It's about how long we'll be here this evening. And so want to invite you uh, to that. want you to make time for it. Dress casual. Like, go home, get out of whatever. I'm not wearing this tonight, right? Dress casual. If I have a good Christmas t-shirt, I'll put it on. I was going to wear a hoodie, but someone reminded me we have to turn the AC down because it's hot outside. But, um, man, really, come tonight, let it interrupt. Um, I remember growing up, my mom tried really hard to let um, Jesus interrupt our Christmas Eve. And we complained so much, I can't even tell you. You know what I mean? We were kind of distracted by all the stuff that we didn't want to sit still and listen to the Christmas story. We didn't want to do those things. And as a dad now, um, I'm thankful my mom pushed through that. And so tonight, we want your kids present. We're going to have glow sticks and candles. If you're an adult, we'll let you pick. Uh, if you're a kid, we'll let mom and dad pick. Uh, for you, um, but it's just a really sweet time together. Our family choir has been practicing. It's going to be an amazing time. So if you have your Bible, though, what I want you to do is turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be reading about the shepherds in verse 8 all the way down to verse uh, about 20 uh, this afternoon or this morning before we get rolling. And while we do that, we're actually going to lean into um, two passages of Scripture, and I'll go ahead and put them up here for you so that you'll see them and know them. Um, one will be Romans 6, 23. Uh, the other will be Ephesians chapter 2. I'm realizing that I'm going to stand in the way of this all day. So um, I didn't set myself up correctly. My camera friends, will that make it easier for you? We'll make that easier. Um, but in that, what I want you to know is that there's a lot of overlap in Scripture. So when we see a book of, of Romans and we see the word to the church of Ephesus, when we see the story of Luke, it's a beautiful folding together. And I don't know if you have been thinking about that, but maybe you're a Christmas baker and maker. Any of you a Christmas baker and maker? Yeah, that's good. I'm a Christmas griller, like a summer griller, like it's the same but some of you, now here's what I've learned is there's a difference between mixing in ingredients and folding in something. Do you know that? Like when you fold, you kind of have to do it gently. You have to take your time. I'm never asked to fold things in in my family. Never happens. It's always, if it needs to be stirred, hit the mixer, things blow up. That's what I touch. But to fold it in, it takes intentionality and purpose. Really, I want you to think of this time to spend today as like God has put together this incredible Christmas gift. And, and he's folding Romans and Ephesians and the story of Luke and the shepherds all together. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be asking and answering three questions. And I'm told I don't always get to my questions. So here are my questions. So if you need to write them down so you'll know where I'm going. The first is this. We'll answer. Are you set apart or are you setting yourself apart? Are you set apart or are you setting yourself apart? The second question that we're going to ask is this. What reality are you accepting? 
What reality are you accepting? And the third question will be this. What's it worth to you? So those are three questions that I'm not going to answer today. I'm going to ask and let you answer today as we walk through Scripture. But that way I don't miss it and go for it. But it's Christmas Eve. Now, on Christmas Eve, do you open a gift on Christmas Eve? Our family, who, who opens a gift on Christmas Eve? Anybody? Good for you. See, all the kids are like, see, Mom, I told you. Other kids do it. We open one gift on Christmas Eve. It's always pajamas. Uh, and so we, we get new pajamas every year. Um, if you are ever running low on pajamas, I've got 20 years worth at least of pajamas that we still have because we don't know what to do with them after a while. But, but we get these presents. And I want you to know it's been fun watching my kids through the years and their unwrapping present techniques, right? Have you seen that? Like some people, like if you're born a certain age, you open the sides very politely so as not to let the tape mess up the paper, right? Then you flip it over and you do the back and you open it nicely and you fold it in. That's actually a psychological disorder, okay? I just wanted to let you know. I, some people, they, no, I'm just playing. Some people do that. Some people are like semi-committed, like you tear slowly as if that's less destructive. You know, you're like, shh, and you open it up. Um, where other people, right, you the kids just kind of just rip it open and, and go in. There's really just a lot of ways to open Christmas presents as we kind of see this go in. And, and today what I want you to do is I want you to watch how God's word lays out this story of why Christmas is so important and how the shepherds unwrap it. And what I just want you to, to think is, how am I unwrapping Christmas? How, how am I folding this thing out? How am I leaning into it? How does that work? See, the first piece of that idea of Christmas presents and pulling it all in, it's really tied into this idea of Romans chapter 6, verse 3. If Romans chapter 3, 6, verse 3, 23, if this verse isn't real, then quite honestly, Christmas is not really as important. I want you to know that. Christmas is so great because 623 is so real. And it starts off like this, for the wages of sin is death. That, that, that's what this passage leans out for us. And what I want to do is I want to ask you a few questions. First of all, do you know what the word death means? You're like, Pastor, this is the worst Christmas sermon ever. I promise it gets good. See, death really means separation. Right? This is this idea that it separates us from it. it. It's not a distance that's measurable, though. That's the, the tricky part. The separation isn't a distance, distance that's measurable. It, it's literally being set apart. There's nothing that can overcome that. And I was thinking about this in terms of Christmas and when I was a kid. And some of you are the best present hiders ever. Right? You, you're like, we don't know what you're getting for Christmas. There's nothing under the tree. That was my grandparents' house. Like, we never knew if our grandparents were getting us something, but we believed they were. And so we would go looking for the presents. You know what I'm saying? 
And we would look every, we'd look in the pantry, we would look in the barn, we would look in the greenhouse, we would look under beds, we would sneak into their closets and someone would stand watch out at the door. Like we were looking for presents. And what's crazy is that separation was that I will tell you, I don't recall ever finding where my grandparents hid their presents for us. They were that good. But if we would have found them, there was this thin piece of paper that carried the full authority of my six foot five linebacker grandfather that said, I dare you to touch it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's separation. That's this movement from one to the other. And, and here's the fun thing is that this separation isn't the scheme of God. It's not that God's some trickster. Now here's where Christmas presents get a little bit different than our life. A wage is something that is properly set aside for you to put your hands around. You, you and I have earned it. It's not a gift. It's this earned, this earned present. And here's what I, what I thought was. What scripture says is this. You and I have a proper due. We have a proper gift that's due to us. And that gift is to be separate from God and never to delight in what you were made for. Because that's what our life earned through our sin and through our actions. And when I thought about this idea of being separated and hunting, I found myself in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. If you have your Bible, you can read along with us. If not, it'll be on my board here and I'll get out of the way. We'll change camera angles for you. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This really unpacks what separation looked like and what exists for us as our reward in separation. Because you were once dead, just like Paul said, just like the Spirit let us know. You were once dead, and what were you dead in? Your own actions. And in your own actions, you were following the prince of this world. You are following the sin and the air of disobedience and you aren't alone. And I, I started to lean into that a little bit because I think sometimes it's easy to see what God has in store for us while we're standing in the dark. Have you ever thought about the shepherds that day? Chapter 2, verse 8 of Luke. The Bible says it this way. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. I mean, have you ever been out in the field, like away from the city? I will tell you, the further out from Houston you are at night, the more beautiful it looks, right? Like you see the lights and the landscape and the beauty. I wonder if the shepherds sitting out in their fields in the dark looked out at the city 
and were aware of their separation from the town. They were aware that the life and the darkness that they were in was very different than the light that surrounded the homes, the stables, the ends of the town. And I wondered if they were happy they weren't there. See, I think sometimes because we're dead in our sins and we've become accustomed to the wages that we've earned and the fact that we're not alone in the darkness, that somehow, some way in our life, there's an air of pride that can sneak up into us, kind of owning the darkness, kind of owning the distance. You see, shepherds weren't outcasts, but they were considered unclean. See, and what I mean is this, is that being a shepherd was not a bad thing. David was a shepherd in Scripture. But it was often the lowest child who became a shepherd. Like, you just kept passing down shepherd duty to the youngest kid. They, they were always the one on the rim. They were always the one left out. They were always the one that, no offense, but if something happens to any of my boys, pick this one, God. That was the shepherd's life. And they, they worked with animals, which means they probably came into blood on a regular basis or death every now and then. So in general, they were considered unclean. And being unclean wasn't necessarily a sin. But there were rules of engagement, rules of cleanliness. And there were periods of separation that kept you from being a part of the mix. And so a shepherd, because of the job that they did, because of their lifestyle, and because of, well, kind of the need to put food on the table, they probably rarely, if ever, went to a synagogue. They probably rarely, if ever, spent time with the priests or the teachers or the rabbis. Because to do so would mean to stop working for a week, stop earning income for a week, just so that you could spend time with that group of people who never really wanted you anyway in your mind. Do you see how sometimes that darkness, that wage, that separation that becomes a, a source of pride and kind of like that piece of wrapping paper becomes a distance between us that maybe we started to own a little bit because we're stuck in today and not looking for tomorrow. For you, my question is this. Are you set apart this Christmas or are you setting yourself apart? The shepherds, I would tell you, were setting themselves apart. I'm not saying they were bad guys or good guys. But, but the question is this, is sometimes the darkness that we've lived in, our sin and our separation, has stirred up all of these emotions, all of these feelings, all of these thoughts. And the question is, are you willing to push through that worldly flesh that distance to see what it looks like to be set apart by God. So this Christmas Eve, are you feeling distance? Is the gift of Christ something you know about and you hear about, but it shines in the distance? Or is it something that you can see right around you? For the wages of sin is death. The Bible goes on in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. And it says this, but the free gift of God. But the free gift of God. Now look at that in combination with this. 
but God being rich in mercy, I'm gonna come back to the screen, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. See, here's what I need you to see. There's a molding together that God has a free gift and how he gave it to us really matters. And so are you gonna accept the reality that God has something waiting for you? Are you willing to believe that God is rich enough to give it? Do you know what makes Christmas so fun for everybody but mom and dad? You keep money in your pocket and free stuff shows up at your house. Isn't that amazing? Every Christmas, I remember as a child, I never thought, mm, I need to earn some money to bring it to granddad's house because I'm gonna have to make a trade. $5 for what's in box number one, right? $10 for what's behind curtain number two. Christmas was never let's make a deal. You follow me? What makes a gift a gift? This verse. First, that it's free. You know, that, I think that's what I love about Christmas. When we open stockings at our house, when they're full, we dump them out and we get excited about things that probably in all cost less than $8.50. You follow me? But it's free. I, I, I didn't have to go earn it. I didn't have to go get it. It was free. And it's of someone else. I didn't have to make it. I didn't have to bake it. I didn't have to grill it. I didn't have to sew it. Whenever I poured that stocking out... And here's what I noticed, mom and dad, the older I got, the smaller my stockings got. You follow me? Whenever I would dump it all out, it was of someone else. That's what makes a gift so good. That it's free and that it's freely given. If you change either one of those things, it's not the same. You see, if the wages of sin is death, if what I rightly earn is separation for God, and I earned it by leaning into my sins and transgressions along with all the other people around me cheering me on, but the free gift of God is something different, it means the path to it must be different. You see, if, if Christmas, if this gift of Christ is something that was forced of God, it's not really a gift, is it? If it's not freely given of God, if it's not just freely offered, if he forced his hand, if he had to do it, if he was so alone without us, if he just, if he just lost a bet, whatever it is, if it's forced, it's not a gift. It loses its power. If it has to be earned, it's not a gift. If it's of God, but it's about your good deeds outweighing your bad deeds, it's not a gift. Do you know what's, what's funny? At the end of every year, Christy and I, we buy presents for our kids. We're not evil, right? Do you know what we have never done in 22 years of parenting? We have never kept a list of which kid did more bad things and which kid did more good things. Have you ever done that? Like, oh, Connor, you're at 367 good and 412 bad. Ashley beat you by a little bit, 372 good and 409 bad. Have you ever done that? That's ridiculous, isn't it? It's ridiculous. And it's not the way our God works either. 
if it's ridiculous for you and I who are broken and, and in need, how much more out of whack is it for the King of kings and the Lord of lords? You see, for the wages of sin of death, but the free gift of God is freely given and freely offered. And what's great is where it comes from. Here's the difference between God and you and me. And we'll tie the words together, just like we did in the beginning. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. What this means is, is that what comes from God, the reality that he says is, will you accept the wage that you're in or you believe that I am the giver of every good and perfect gift? Will you believe that what comes from me is because I am rich? It's because I am full. It's because I have wells that never run out and treasuries that never empty. And it's based on my great love. It's not based on you. It's based on me. So even when you are in sin, my riches and the greatness of my treasuries are enough to overcome where you are in that separation. Do you believe that about God this Christmas? If not, look at the shepherds. Verse 9, chapter 2. Read down with me all the way through verse 15. The Bible says it this way. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. But the free gift of God, being rich in mercy and great in love, found them in the field, broke through the field with messengers. And what were they carrying? Verse 10, fear not. Y'all listen to me. If you and I ever got caught tasting the Christmas pie before Christmas dinner and your grandmother caught you, did she ever say, fear not. Behold, I love you. Never. When you are caught in your transgressions, you are in trouble. But when it doesn't depend on you and the offering depends on the riches and the wealth of the one who gives freely, fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a great angel and multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. And this is what they were saying. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth among those with whom he is pleased. And the angels went away from them. And the shepherds said to them, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us just like that the free gift of God interrupts the darkness and it brings this gift that's unimaginable in our backyard um, we keep up Christmas lights year round in the backyard we don't do it in the front yard because we feel like that's weird but we feel like the back's our private area so we actually have Christmas lights on our trees in our backyard all the time and we have a timer that comes on at 6 o'clock in the morning. And some mornings it's wonderful, and some mornings we're not sure if it's a tool of the enemy. You follow me? 
because you know what happens when it comes on and time changes happen and it's dark outside that light interrupts our darkness it wakes us up like there's a literal shine coming in our window I wonder what the interruption was like when the shepherds embracing the darkness because it's life that they knew, earned, and were comfortable with. God said, I have something better. I know you're here watching your sheep. I know you're here for a purpose, but I'm telling you, I've made you for a greater purpose. And that purpose is not found here in the field. It's not found here in the darkness. It's not found where you are because my gift that is riches from my riches of my love it's incompatible with the wages that you're trying to earn so I thought well for us what reality will you accept do you believe that the riches that God offers in his interruption that is Christ do you believe that that's a reality worth living in? I read verse 15 because the shepherds did all of their life in the fields, all of their life separated, all of their life in that spot, but at the voice of the messenger of God carrying the good news of God was so rich, it was so unbelievable that they dared to believe. So as soon as the angels left, they said, let's go. In a moment, they abandoned what they always knew, the darkness that they had made their home. Because there was a belief that the free gift that God was offering through the message of the angels far surpassed whatever they would give up. Is that your reality? This Christmas morning, Will you accept that truth? I mean, what, what's it worth to you? You see, because the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I think this is most important. See, eternal life comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why the news was so good. Fear not. For behold, the angel said, man, born this day in the city of David is a savior. I want you to look, if you hear your Bible, at verse 11 again. It says, you can read it with me if we have the same translations. Third word, for unto what? You. Catch it. He doesn't say for unto the whole world, which is true. But he says for unto you, for unto the unclean, okay with the distance, okay with the, with the separation, kind of content in the darkness, acknowledging the light, unto you in your brokenness, unto you where you are, unto you, is born a savior who offers life through his name through his coming 
offer is this. What the angels did that night was they put the present in the lap of the shepherds. And I thought about this. When did it become theirs? I mean, if you want to be unkind, give it a shot. Put a gift in front of someone in your home tomorrow or tonight, all wrapped up and beautiful, and say, this is yours, but you're not allowed to open it. Is it a gift? Let me ask you, kids, if you're in the room, if I put a present in front of you and said it's yours, but you're not allowed to open it, is that a good gift? No. It's no. right. It's not. It is a bad gift. Because until I open it, it's not really mine. The angels told them, this is what's happening. This is what's inside. It's so good. But it wasn't until they obeyed, until they received it, that Christmas became theirs. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Through Christ, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You see, what's inside the gift was always, is currently, and will always be Jesus. Why is heaven going to be heaven? Because always, currently, and forever, it will reflect the beauty, the glory, the power, and the fullness because of the presence of Jesus. When we think about Christmas, do you believe in Jesus so much that you realize for the wages of sin is separation, which means the gift is union? You see, the gift of Christmas is God doing away with one unmeasurable distance for another immeasurable distance. Because the wage of sin says stay away, no tape measure ever long enough to measure the distance. But the free gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord is eternal life, making you alive together with Christ. The union is an unmeasurable distance. Because there's no tape ruler small enough to measure one. The shepherds dared to believe it. Luke chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible says this. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to them, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told concerning them. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told him. But Mary treasured up these things in her heart, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told to them. The shepherds no longer owned the distance. 
They walked into that stable, shepherds daring to believe a promise. But the moment they walked in, they became messengers. The first thing they did was they told everyone around what they'd been told, which is appropriate, right? Mom, if you'd just been given birth and strangers walk into your, your hospital room, I think an explanation's in order, amen? Like it's important. The first thing they do is share the message of God. And then as they leave, what are they doing? They're sharing the message. They're praising and glorifying God. Why, why does what has defined them their whole life no longer define them in the rest of the pages of the story? Because Jesus was worth it all. They gave themselves fully to it. You know, there's a difference really between how an 18-month-old and a 7-year-old opens presents. I remember when our kids were really young, we got the first present out for Ashley. We had multiple presents. And we put it in front of her, so excited. I think she touched the box. But she didn't even know to unwrap it. So we had to unwrap it for her. And then we took out the toy, and guess what she loved? The box. You see, I want you to know this Christmas, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I, wa I want you to know that God is rich in grace and mercy. And because of his great love for you, he offered life even when you weren't worth it. I want you to know that just like the shepherds today, God has put that gift in your lap. And some of you, your whole life have treated this moment like an 18-month-old does a Christmas present. Poking at it, unsure of what it is and when the truth has been pulled out you're still more enamored with the box than the gift the box may be a building it may be tradition it may be just the habits of spirituality none of those are the gift it's just decoration but there's a difference with the way a seven-year-old opens a present. Amen? It's nasty. They tear it open. Like, today, have you, have you, golly, you need to try this. Go buy a gift you think is appropriate for seven-year-old. There's like 400 tie-downs, like toys in chains on these things. But you know what a seven-year-old does? Like, they're ripping at the toy. And you're like, slow down, you're going to break. You're, you're, you're having to cut the chains. They want it so bad. Are you reaching at Jesus like that? Because he's worth it. Because that union, that union is so good, it makes the separation feel unimportant. Because you're not running from distance. 
you're holding on to life. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, and he is Christ the Lord. Is he really worth it to you that you might let him be what's on your lips? Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. How sweet it is to have a king who is so rich and mighty and good that he would share with us this gift of togetherness, of union, which so easily is understood, God, as the opposite of death and separation. And we praise you for the living example of the shepherds. They didn't even know, they didn't even know that field, that uncleanliness, that darkness, it was all they knew and it was okay to them. In fact, God, they may have been proud of it. But you who are rich, you broke through that darkness and you let that great light of Christ be made known. So Father, in this room this morning, there's a man or woman, boy or girl, Lord, who has not known the union that replaces the distance. Father God, would you let them for the first time in their life open the box and be enamored with the gift? Lord, would you redefine who they are and make them new? Through Christ Jesus, their Lord. Father God, for those who call in the name of Jesus, today would you let it be an awesome or a sweet or a beautiful reminder that the one who began the good work won't ever quit because the union is impossible to break because there's no more distance to measure. Thank you for Christmas in Jesus' name. Amen.